the free for all roundtable round two on round two today Sunir Chaudhry is here entertainment or employment lawyer at Workley Law, Robert Benzie, Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star, Richard Krauss, host of the podcast Last Call with Richard Krauss, and still probably trying to get over the fact that I couldn't remember Gene Wilder's name yesterday, Richard. You fool. I know, but it's great because you're listening and you can text me, and when I get something else wrong, Dave Agar sends me a text. It's uh, I got people who keep me on track here. Okay, well listen, uh, the biggest story up until 9 o'clock when the Premier and the Education Minister take the microphone again, will still be that yesterday the premier kind of climbed down and then the union took his offer and so kids are back in school today and uh, Robert Benzie you're the guy who covers Queen's Park so it must have been quite the eventful day for you I I don't want to frame this as a win-lose situation because I just think everybody did the right thing yesterday although I got a drubbing for saying that on round one yeah, I mean, I think what the Premier said yesterday about everyone putting some water in their wine was an appropriate analogy. And I think what he's going to say in 10 minutes at Queen's Park, um, John, is that he's going to confirm that kids are back in class this morning, which they are. And he's going to confirm that his government will repeal the legislation, Bill 28, which they passed last Friday, that included, or last Thursday, rather, that included the notwithstanding clause and was very controversial. So, And he's he's basically wants to also confirm that they're back at the table with Q. And I think he'll speak about the negotiations and, and where he wants to end up. So, uh, I mean, it's it's probably going to be a different kind of a tone than we saw from the bravado of last week when they were uh, passing this legislation so controversially. Do you think, one more question for you, Robert Benzie, I have this theory that uh, Stephen Lecce will probably be shuffled in a few months. Do you think he survives all of this? Well, I mean, I think they want to get through all of the uh, contract negotiations with the teachers and, and everything. I mean, you know, when if and when there's a shuffle, then I wouldn't be surprised. But it would be after all of this. I'm not sure they would shuffle him now. It would kind of be pointless because then you're just having a new minister come in in the middle of uh, negotiations with the teachers, which could be just as rancorous. Okay, Richard Krauss, we're much more today back in the rhythm of life because uh, parents are taking kids to school. People are working. Negotiations set to resume. So I think we're, at the very least, in not even necessarily assigning blame or credit, we're in a better spot today than we were yesterday. I think so. But I still think that uh, the bad spot that we were in yesterday was um, the result of bad behavior on both uh, the premier and on QP. And uh, we, I don't think people will forget that. I know that people supported QP, and I think rightfully so. I did as well in terms of uh, of fighting back and saying, no, you, we, we have a right to negotiate, we have a, a, a right to go on strike. I understand that, but parents, after the last couple of years that we've had of kids homeschooling and the and the tumult that that has caused at most people's homes, um, I, I just think people have had enough. And I think, by and large, uh, Doug Ford comes out of this with a black eye. Uh, he tried to bring the hammer down. It didn't work. It bounced back up. It hit him on the forehead, and it's left a mark that I think is going to stay for a while now. Okay, well, Sonera, as Jerry was saying off the air to me when he came in, he said the fact that he's angry and Deb Hutton is angry about what the Premier did yesterday would suggest that it was the wrong course. And maybe the fact that I'm actually supporting the Premier also means he's on the wrong track. Well, I think uh, Premier had no choice. I mean, QP seemed to have the strength of you know, uh, a mega union. Uh, I think it was a masterstroke to call on other 
public and private unions for support. Uh, we heard that QP was calling for a general strike in response to the notwithstanding clause being used and invoked in this piece of legislation. So, frankly, the position, it, it was undeniable with the risk of tossing the entire province into chaos. The government had to relent. Um, but I do think that QP's membership might do a postmortem. I mean, I think to go back to what the crux of the issue was, it takes two to tango, two parties got us uh, to, to this state. And I think membership is going to look back and wonder what missteps QP might have uh, engaged in to get them here. Should they have relented sooner in the negotiation? Should it have gotten to this point where people had to walk off the job and be threatened with $4,000 a day fines, which nobody would have been comfortable with. So I don't think a lot of members are very happy with the position that they've been put in because, of course, they have been sort of tossed around here um, as the collateral damage. The climate conference that is currently underway in Egypt draws together, I think somebody said 40,000 people. I don't know what they do all day. Um, but the wider issue, I would think, is the world doesn't seem to be paying attention and most of the major leaders didn't bother to show up. Uh, Richard Krauss, it, uh, you know, the world is kind of the evidence of climate change is all around us, but it seems that uh, people are less and less interested in the issue. I don't know if people are less and less interested in the issue, but I, I do think that there is a certain amount of burnout about hearing about it, perhaps. And uh, we know, you know, we're we're in November wearing T-shirts out, maybe not today, but over the weekend uh, here in Canada, something is changing. Things are things are happening. Uh, so people are aware of it. People know about it. Uh, but I think that people look at at the results of what happened in Kyoto and Paris and realize that it's a bunch of people sitting around talking. Uh, about what needs to happen and they make uh, judgments and they they pass bills and then nothing really ever changes and I think that uh, that's the that's where we've we've uh, we're, we're in this position now where it's too much repetition of the same message nothing seems to happen and people uh, just regard it as white noise now I don't think people even really hear it there's a certain amount of people that are gluing themselves to paintings in Europe those people those uh, <laughs> protesters I think are, are listening and hearing it but I think the, the average person is more concerned about how much gas costs, how much a loaf of bread costs. Okay, Sunira, uh, it does. I, it, I sort of feel like this is after everybody finally acknowledged that cigarettes cause cancer, but we're still smoking. Yeah, you know, I think this would have been an opportunity for, you know, Elon Musk for all of the um, blowback he's getting for Twitter to show up at a conference uh, like this to hail the the. Uh, the, the success of, of Tesla, it's, it's sort of a time for an iconic like figure, I think, from industry where um, there have been sort of responses to the climate crises. But I, I, I echo what Richard's saying, which is that this there needs to be a breath of fresh air to this movement. We know that this is, of course, a, an issue that we all should be paying attention to. But I think the way it's been branded and packaged, which has seemed to be a lot of promises made, a lot of promises broken, um, there, there are really cool businesses doing really cool things like, you know, the CEO of Rivian, another electric car manufacturer. These are people that we probably should be hearing from on this issue. And I think that might re-engage, you know, I think a collective interest in what seems to be like a dead horse, like continuing to be beaten because, you know, even our own prime minister has had a bit of a 
checkered past when it comes to the climate crises. Okay, I want to cover a few other topics. A really interesting study. Curious about your thoughts on this, and I'll start with Robert Benzi. Uh, the study was done in Canada, and it finds that kids prefer people with accents that more resemble their own. And the thinking had been, uh, in doing this one, Robert Benzi, that you know, Canadian kids probably hear more accents than kids in other countries, so maybe they would be acclimatized to it. But no, we found out they would prefer you speak with a neutral Canadian accent. Well, I mean, I guess that's also just you're a kid, you're trying to figure out what people are saying and, 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 and understanding. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I moved here from Scotland when I was five years old, and I've heard old recordings of my voice then, and I had a very, very Scottish accent, which <laughs> I, I no longer have, like our friend Bill Carroll did when he was a kid. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny how kids, I, lo- I lost it really quickly, probably within a year. So, I, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a, th- a natural thing. Kids want to fit in, and they want everyone else to to sound the way that they do. Yeah, I have to think, Richard Krauss, if everybody, if all of these potential teachers spoke with Mrs. Doubtfire's accent, I think the kids would be in. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Uh, maybe so, or if they sounded like, um, you know, I don't know, He-Man and She-Ra or something like that. But I I, I don't find this poll particularly, um, uh, you know, Surprising. over the top. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that it, it, it really speaks to little kids. Uh, they are used to what they hear here at home and uh, when they go to school perhaps they are just being acclimatized to the world they perhaps just don't have as much experience in the the real world wait till they're teenagers and then do the same poll and see what happens there because I think the results would be different okay so it's election day in the United States today but everybody's eyes are on 2024 and Donald Trump made it pretty clear that he's going to announce on the 15th of November Sunira Chaudhary do you just sort of roll your eyes and think here we go again or is this exciting to watch. I think this is going to be um, well, exciting might be a bit of an overstatement, but I do think some of us will be watching with bated breath. Of course, we know Mike Pence might also be making a presidential bid. Um, and I think we're all going to be wondering if Trump is actually going to make that um, that announcement, although it seems as though he's 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 going to. And I, I think all of us are going to be turning on all of those mainstream media outlets that many swore off of, like the Fox News and CNN, to basically consume all of this, like every single move Trump makes. I mean, we all know he's going to be at Mar-a-Lago on, uh, on the 15th to make this announcement. I think a lot of us are going to be watching that for sure. We're out of racetrack, so thank you all very much. Good to have you. Robert Benzi, Sunira Chaudhry, and Richard Krauss. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.